0: You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. Hello, I'm Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to this special bonus festival episode. My guest this week is David Teven, who is the founder of the Clonmel Junction Arts Festival, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this week, starting Saturday, the 3rd of July to Sunday, the 10th of July. David shares great tales today from his favourite travels to festivals around the world including Malawi, Zambia, Iran, Canada and the Edinburgh Festival. I just wanted to let you know that I'm also delighted to say that I will be doing my first Travel Tales with Fergal live podcast next Tuesday, 6th of July, with novelist Louise Neelan. It's lunchtime live at 1pm in the Festival Dome and you can get free tickets to see online at junctionfestival.com. In this unique conversation... Novelist Louise Nealon will discuss her experiences in the last year of the writing process, getting a publisher, getting published and going to number one in the bestseller charts for her debut novel Snowflake. Keep an eye out on my website Travel Tales with Fergal for details of season three of Travel Tales with Fergal coming out towards the end of the summer. I already have some brilliant interviews done and I can't wait to share them with you later this summer. Now, let's hear from David Thieven about his great international travels to festivals around the world. David Thieven, you're very welcome to the podcast. We're doing a very special Junction special. Your five picks are all connected with the Junction Festival, but... It's all over the world, so I'm really looking forward to it. You're very welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much, Fergal. It's nice to be here.
0: So your very first one, which I was hoping that you were going to pick, actually, because I love the place as well. So your first pick.
1: It, well, indeed. I, I Just to put it in context a little bit, um, uh, I was the director of Junction Festival for 15 years, and it was an organisation that I set up uh, in Clonmel in 2001 for the first junction festival. And the next year I went over to, we had, it was a great success, very small event with just five, five events. And the next year I realized I was going to need to go looking for work for the next festival. And I went to Holland and I brought over a wonderful show from Holland. I had a friend who was a curator or a, a presenter over there. And he showed me a few shows over there. I selected one and brought them over and that that was when I realized that part of the job of running a festival, I mean, I was just figuring out what a festival director's job was, you know, um, as I went along. And um, when I realized that part of the job was to go what I call shopping. So that um, uh, was to go and find work to bring to the festival. So throughout the next 14 years, I would travel four, five, seven times a year. And the trips were usually about four or five days long. And um, some of them were to, you know, to see specific work where I had a friend or a colleague who, who wanted to invite me over or felt there was something that was interesting or there was work by a company that I knew and liked and I wanted to see. But a lot of the time I went to trade fairs uh, what i would consider trade fairs so in the commercial sector they would be considered trade fairs but basically they were festivals so uh and and the king among them all or one of the kings is is the edinburgh fringe festival um and uh it's on every august although it's like all all uh like lo- all festivals and performing arts it's it's been closed last last year and is will be in some modified form this year but during those years, 2001, 2015, um, I went over and um, uh, I would spend five days there and I would go to five or six shows a day. I found if I went to six shows, it was just too much. It was exhausting. Um, uh, I remember sitting with a colleague at uh, having lunch one day and we were expressing how tiring it was going to see five or six shows, and the couple next door to us uh, sort of said they were lovely, and they said they were an English couple, and they said, "Excuse me, I don't mind me interrupting, but um, uh, you know, we were just listening to conversation and laughing because um, we we save all year to come to Edinburgh, and and we we, we have to go through the program because we will go to two shows a day, and 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 we were laughing at your are giving your 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 um. Um, giving out about having to go to five or six shows. Um, So it kind of put that in perspective. And I always knew how lucky we were. Um, uh, A lot of the shows, we would have been on invited tickets. Um, But also it was the, and this is the lovely thing about all of these adventures that uh, that you've invited me to talk about, was that when I travelled, I would meet colleagues who do similar, who were running festivals all over the world or running theatres. I would meet artists. And it was just an inc- incredibly enriching um uh, few days i, I used to f- I used to feed on that um seeing the work yes, it was about finding shows for the festival in clomel, but it was also about um you know understanding w- what was going on globally in terms of arts and uh, and entertainment and and becoming you know staying current um, so, yes, Edinburgh, and I know that you uh you'd had a different Edinburgh to me because you're you're a comedy man I was more of a theater man um uh, sure. although i'd see some comedy and i'm sure you saw some theater um uh the, the 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 comedy festival runs the theater festival runs there's a book festival there's just it's just festival city for the month as as you know so i would yes, I would go and i would i would um uh, and and the, the accommodation is always a big issue in Edinburgh. And I learned over the years to leave it till the last minute and then just send out an email to my colleagues or and anybody I knew going to Edinburgh saying, anyone got a spare room? And uh, invariably I got lucky and uh, got myself um, uh, a room uh, with colleagues. So it was a lot about that meeting with friends and colleagues and um, uh, and seeing terrific shows. But I mean, the the advantage of of the role I played as a festival director was I would be part of this um, uh, community of, of professional presenters. So when I arrived in Edinburgh, I'd hook up with somebody who's been there for a few days and I'd find out what's worth going to see. And then the big challenge was how do you get a ticket for a show that's sold out um, and oh, um, um, there was there, there were techniques you learned uh, arriving at the venue and going, oh, my name is David Thiefen. There should be a ticket for me here. And and, and just waiting <laughs> yeah, while the baffles said, oh, we don't have a ticket. And I said, oh, no, no, no. There the, the, the was certainly a ticket. I was promised a ticket.
0: <laughs> I actually I lear- Do you know how I learned that was I was at a show and a guy I know who's big into the arts in, in, in Ennis and i was standing there trying to get a, a ticket if one came available and he just scoots straight past um and goes i'm late i'm late and just walks straight in and <laughs> need no ticket and yeah. that, and i talked to him afterwards that he said he used to do just go straight in
1: so you you yes you learn and um but it was lots of fun and and i i yeah. you know one of the things that the year after i left the festival when it came around there was a sort of sadness in me that um you know i had uh, that i wasn't part of that community anymore um and uh, the privileges had had been handed in with the yeah. resignation so
0: <laughs> but it wasn't it, you know it, it's not just the shows i mean one thing i always noticed being there and i always talk to you because you i could see things that you brought to clammel you know the outdoor areas and you know the atmosphere around the town it's electric during the festival isn't it in Edinburgh? Well,
1: but i mean that's what i was saying the, the this this travel that i did for those 15 years was about nur- nourishing me and my creativity so that as a, 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 as a as a director i was able to bring those ideas sometimes it was taking a bit of this and a bit of that um and uh you know and and how can how can i make that and does it you know sometimes it wasn't relevant for clonmel because as a festival director you're trying to find what is what is i knew clonmel very well so it was what's what's relevant for clonmel um and um uh what can i afford i mean that was another thing i used to always try and do is a lot of the irish would go to traverse theater like irish festival directors would go to um and the, and the theater makers would hang around in travers, and um I was always trying to find the shows that that you know Galway arts festival hadn 't found, so that because i couldn 't afford to compete with them, <laughs> so I was kind of <laughs> trying to find like you know going off piste as you would say and and trying to hunt out um uh, the next big thing that hasn 't been discovered um because once it is i mean it's it 's a great place to bring a show if it 's a great show, like something like Pat Kinnevan has been touring all over the world, I know um you you would know pat kinnevin and his work the irish theatre maker so you know he's done his shows in edinburgh it's been successful and he has toured all over the world on the basis of that because it's a place to get seen so yeah edinburgh was is it was was one of my definitely my favorite i've never been to edinburgh when a festival wasn't on so uh they tell me it's a very different city um but uh, i have lots and lots of happy memories um uh and fun times
0: and was then Edinburgh that brought you to your next one, to the to Womit and Womax.
1: Well n- yeah, no, no, that was slightly different. Um, mm-hmm. um because I suppose the, the, the two the two elements of Junction Festival, as you'd be well aware, would be that there was it mm-hmm. was the 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 um, theatre program and the music program were sort of at the core of of it, and and my own, uh, I suppose, Keela would have been a big influence in me in terms of musically. And they, it was, it was, I think, um, Colm O'Snody from Keela who said to me that I should go to to um, WOMEX, and WOMEX is a trade fair. It's it's, it's slightly different to uh, Edinburgh in that. Uh, well, it's different in many ways it's, it's focused on world music, but it's a three day event and um you have a big trade stand fair where you have stalls and you can go around the stalls and then e- every evening you have different world music bands playing so you have bands from all over the world sometimes irish bands but but you know asian bands african bands mm, scandinavian bands whatever um a lot of indigenous musics which I loved um and uh the lovely thing about it is it's on in a it will be on in one city for two or three years, and then it will move to another city. So the first time I went, it was in Seville, and it was incredibly wow. badly organised. The, the registration um, and all of the regulars to Womex, um, and Womex is a sort of a German institution. Like the the original was in Germany. We know the Germans are terribly efficient, and the Spaniards were very relaxed. And there was this queue for about three hours as you waited to. To reg- register, and people were giving out about it for the three days. But I had nothing to complain about because I met—I uh, um, was standing next to a um, Malaysian woman my my age who ran a ran a festival in the rainforest of Borneo. We, we 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 talked about our festivals, but then we talked about other stuff because we were there for three hours. And I actually <laughs> became very good friends with Jungling. And over the years of returning to WOMEX, we would always have 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 dinner or. Um, and exchange notes, so th- that year, I recommended a band called Yelembe that had been to Junction um, and I introduced her to their manager and she introduced me to a band, and I brought them to the festival, so we kind of created this like little swap thing um, where where because we had a similar taste in music and um, uh, and a lovely other thing that came out of that was that when my daughter. Chloe, who had worked on the festival um, uh, in Clonmel, was travelling in Asia after she she took a gap year and was travelling in Asia. She went and volunteered on Jungling's festival in Borneo. So I haven't been to Borneo, but my daughter was there and she got the lovely job of being artist liaison, and uh, which which meant. Um, sort of sitting, bringing sitting in the, the mini bus bus and bringing the artists to this venue and watching this concert that had finished at two o'clock in the morning, and then coming back to the hotel where they were all staying, uh, where they partied by the pool until dawn. So that's not a memory of mine, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it good. came from I like that from, one from Womex, and I think Womex is is um, again like the, the sort of community of producers in. Um, in 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 the community of producers in in Edinburgh, there was a community of producers and presenters in um, in, in WOMEX that that I got to know, and I would come back to each year, and you'd find out who was who was on your level in terms of budgets, and who was on you, who had similar tastes to you, and uh, and I got to see some great music. So over the years, there was the experience in Seville, and then we moved on to uh, there was one one year it was in Newcastle um and then it was in copenhagen for a couple of years um so again it was a way that you could get to know a city and you could
0: um back a few years
1: so you go back for a couple of years so you get to know where was your favorite cafe and then it would move on and you have a new experience so um so that was yes, and and of course, the music I mean I got to see tanarowen that wonderful band from um wow. uh from the Tuareg tribe um that that and this was just before they they became i mean then they when they played in Ireland, they were um uh, uh supporting the Rolling stones in Slane. Um so they kind of went into a different stratosphere very, very quickly. Um and uh Are they
0: amazing to see them?
1: I have a, I really that was the first year I was in Womad and I had this wonderful memory of 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 that concert, um of their concert. And you could tell they were in a different league. Um uh so uh yeah, and I would always, you know, a lot of the 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 world the African bands that I would have brought to Clonmel over the years, um I would have um, come across at, um, at WOMAD. You would have um, four or five different concert halls or venues and you'd walk between them. So you catch a bit of this band and then you go and see another band. And, um, uh, and all the time, you know, you've got this encounter with your colleagues. So again, I would come home exhausted from this trip. And I had a, um, but, but, but um, one doesn't get much sympathy when one comes home from an event like that, uh, it was uh, my, my sister-in-law's father was a travel writer. So he used to go, um, on to, on, a, you know, to a holiday resort to do his work. And when he came home, he found the same thing. He would find it, you know, he'd be tired when he came home and, but, um, the, the perception is you're on holidays, but the reality is that, you know, you're, you're, you're turned on, you're trying to make good choices and you're meeting and you're talking. So. um uh, well, I wouldn't trade it for a moment. Uh, there were great experiences. Um, yes, you'd come home and you'd be exhausted, and you'd have a lot of the follow-up and try and make make sure that the event happened well.
0: And Seville and, and was your favourite of them, was it? I think Womack of the of the visit to?
1: of the Womack visits. Uh, I, I think my least favourite was probably Essen in Germany. Yeah, they were they were they were good trips, and and a lot of it was about the communities. But I, um, they were my two core, my basic. Um, trade fairs, but what happened over after a number of years is through meeting um, colleagues, um, you I started to get invited elsewhere, and uh, over the years I went to Spain quite a bit, Barcelona particularly Catalonia, uh, visited Lithuania and France and Belgium, um, and all you know I went back to Holland many times, um, so that, that there was a lot of travel in Europe. Um, uh, but when the invitation started coming from further afield, um, that was really, really nice. Um, and and one of the most, I, I think, profound experiences I had as a, you know, in terms of my that professional time, was it was an, an um, I met up a gr- with a group called Music Crossroads in um, uh, Womex, and they um, organised a youth music exchange. Um, well, they organized this they, they had this organization in five South African countries, so there was Tanzania, Mozambique, Malawi, Zambia, and uh Zimbabwe and they were running music programs down there for young musicians and then every year they would have a competition a festival in one of these uh, countries and they would select one band from the five countries and they would tour the band in Europe and these were young bands so they were sort of um, they would be re- they would be their first tour away from home um, and uh, I invited one of those bands to Clonmel and it was a band called Body Mind and Soul from Malawi and I came up with the idea of of allow, of of having one of the local bands in Clonmel um, uh, be their hosts and look after them. And there were three young musicians, uh, Owen Halley, uh, Simon Dargan, and Calvin Cook. Um, And they had a band called Super Blondes. And I asked them, would they look after the band from Malawi? And when the band arrived in the minibus, the boys were there and they kind of disappeared fairly quickly. And I thought, oh, that's okay. They're being looked after. Apparently they stayed up until three o'clock in the morning in Clonmel playing, you know, partying and making music. And this lovely bond between these two bands. And by the end of the week, the two bands uh, at the finale concert, they played a few tunes together. So um, what subsequent to that, we, the, the, the Music Crossroads organization, invited us, me and the three young boys from Clonmel to go to Malawi to to play at the festival down there and to do the collaboration and to show what we had done so with with support from culture ireland um we were able to travel there me and the three young fellows i did, i think the boys were 18 at the time 19 maybe so they were very young and this was a long long way we had to go to dubai and then to johannesburg and then fly up to malawi and um it was certainly the most um Extraordinary trip we had. Again, there was a small uh, n- number of international colleagues there, some of whom I would known. Um, I became good friends with Burak, uh, 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 a copyrights lawyer from a Turkish man who lives in Brussels, and I to this day, I, you know, I still keep in touch with him. Um, but we we got to play at the festival, um, and I was part of the jury that judged the the the, the selection of bands that were were there this year. And uh, and then the, the the winning band was toured in Europe the following year and also came to Junction Festival, and this time I hooked up with a band called Guitcher, which was a traditional Irish band, and uh, and I asked the traditional Irish band. So we and we we went back to Zimbab- uh, Zambia that year. So for two years, I, I got to visit Africa with young musicians. Um, and I think for all, both the Gwicha boys and girls, uh, and for the, the Malawi, uh, the, the super blondes, I think for the young musicians, they, they were phenomenally important because it came at a point in their life where, you know, they were, you know, young and and to have that experience. Uh, I know um with the, the Gwitche, they were fabulous musicians and they had been at the Academy of World Music in Limerick, so they were very, very proficient players. And um when we were out in Africa, I, I said to them, I said, um I said, you know, but but like many traditional Irish bands, they 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 sort of played um looking inwards. They were used to that sort of, they sort of very much as a traditional Irish music, music session where people look inwards. Um, and when you're on a stage that doesn't look good. So when I was down in there, I said to them, you know, you guys are wonderful musicians. There's nothing I can teach you about music because I'm not, that's not my thing, but I know the stage. And I think you do well to watch these, watch these African lads and lasses because they get up on stage and they own the stage. They 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 perform with such and a lot of them had very limited musical skills and very you know their 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 instruments were you know they were playing with 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 very limited technical supports but when they got on stage they had this amazing charisma and they went forward and about six months after the trip to um, Malawi or Zambia with Gwicha, I got a lovely email from the band saying they had just been awarded the performance the best performers at a festival because they had trying to take on on board the, the, something from their trip to Africa. But I mean, in terms of, in terms of, I suppose there was a, there was a moment there. We had a few days after the festival in Zambia. uh, And uh, I was invited to bring the Irish musicians over to Malawi to do some work with in the, you know, and to have them do some workshops with, African with the Malawi musicians so um, uh, having become friends with the director in Malawi the previous year so we drove over the following day after the festival and um, we spent a few days there and we had a few days off so we went down to Lake Malawi and I thought it was, you know, we'd done two weeks hard work, so we were going to have a weekend of, of holidaying. And we had, um, so we would, Lake Malawi is absolutely beautiful. We went to, um, a place called, I think it was called Paradise Beach. Uh, and it was just where there was, there was, um, um, and we did a few concerts there. Um, but, uh, there was a pub owned by a, Liverpool, a man from Liverpool um, and uh, so we did a couple of concerts there and then the lads asked me, who, who did we want to go, we, there was a place where we could hire canoes and um, uh, I don't know whether, I think I'd seen two of them hire a canoe one day and I said to them, the next day, hey let's hire the canoes and go out to the island and they said oh yeah it's a great idea so we hired four canoes and the, um, there was one of them who was a bit nervous and I said will you get in the canoe with me, I mean I, I'm from, I'm you know, do a lot of canoeing, um, so you know we'll 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 be fine. And there were like there was it was very calm. There were little ripples on the surface, and halfway across, maybe two thirds of the way across, the canoe in front of me with two lads in it toppled over, and they fell into the water. Now we had life jackets on, and but one of them decided that was when he was going to tell me he couldn't swim. So he started panicking and pulling at the canoe and filling the canoe with water. And the other guy was going, Dave, Dave. And I'm going, just stop. (laughs) So it was a very, very scary moment. And I managed to get him to calm down and hold on to the back of our canoe and uh, canoed into the bay. And thankfully, a boat saw what was happening and came over and picked up the other lad who had been incredibly brave. So uh, I, I had this awful, awful moment of, of thinking like, this is just too much responsibility. And um, why didn't you tell me you couldn't swim? <laughs> <Yeah.
0: Two laughs> but turns we were, away we were, across. We
1: were um, yeah, we were very lucky. And uh, I, I've always remembered that moment and, and, and give thanks to the gods of Lake Malawi for, um, for uh, letting us all come home safely.
0: And is it a touristy place? Like, is uh, it, was the lake a touristy place or, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I found myself tourism in Africa um, was a strange thing. I was very glad I was there working. And it also gave me the opportunity to encounter um, uh, African men who were my age who had jobs. So there was a certain sense of parity in our, you know, um, uh, Matthews who worked in, in Music Crossroads in Malawi. um, uh, And a friend of his from the Ministry of Arts were able to go out. We were able to talk about, you know, relevant things. I mean, the poverty, the poverty, the, the the difference in wealth between, you know, Malawi, it's one of the poorest countries in the world in Ireland is phenomenal. And my, my presence there was, was a symbol of my wealth and my, my, my privilege. I was very acutely aware of that, um, and and I, I felt that the justification for me being there was that youth musical exchange that we were bringing something. But the, the the history of colonial colonialism in in Africa is just so evident. You know, it it has it has impacted it has created the the, the countries that are there today. And uh, although Ireland was not a colonizer. I think we're part of western Europe and I I I think we you know no Ireland wasn't a colonizer but many Irish were involved in colonial practice and um, and we as a nation have benefited from the prosperity of Europe so I don't think we can avoid that and um so it's very it's very complex um I know you had um uh, in a previous episode Moncon was was mm. uh was talking about something similar, similar. um mm. uh, and i think traveling so yes there's tourism in africa of course there is um and and tourists bring important bring money with them so just like in ireland tourism is important um i didn't feel it was i was very comfortable being a tourist there uh and, and i wouldn't visit as a tourist but i'd certainly um would be delighted to engage in um uh, sort of those kind of exchanges where I certainly know the young men and the woman because uh, Gicha had a had a female singer Onya. so I just know that they benefited hugely from their exposure to uh on those experiences. I certainly felt I learned a huge amount and I think it kind of shifted my sense of. Global responsibility, and and you know, just uh, that that we as as a, a wealthy first world nation have. Um, so I hope. Um, I mean, still in touch with some of the band's members from Malawi, um, uh, which is nice, uh, um, and um, we've been able to do a few things to help them out over the years. Uh, one of them ended up marrying a girl from Scotland and is doing rather well uh, as a musician in Scotland. But but some of them are back in Malawi and life is tough. Um. So, you
0: know, it's funny. Um. You actually gave me a love of African music. I only taught that while you were saying that. You know, it's funny. I'm always listening to African uh, playlists on the raid on on Apple uh, Music, and uh, the kids would be listening on, throwing their eyes up to heaven. But that was actually from you. I mean you love it don't you?
1: Ah uh, well I mean West I love it. West African more than the music of South Africa. I mean the culture of Malawi for example mm. was very was decimated by slavery um and these were slave traders coming from Arabia rather than from uh Europe and, and 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 America um so a lot of the indigenous cultures were 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 um there was very little indigenous culture there but West Africa the music of West Africa and and yes I do love it and I did um bring many west african bands to Clonmel and uh i'm delighted to hear you saying that and um hopefully your children will be um you know when they're a little older will will get it Certainly my my kids um put up with our music uh and there were years when they 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 would bemoan it but they they're a bit older than yours and um uh, now they'll be sending me links and going hey dad have you heard of this band um, and uh, so um uh, but i think there 's something very um joyous and, and it, there's there 's something very visceral about the west african music that um that just gets you moving and and i think um uh, that that joy of dancing um uh, it doesn 't happen in my head African music happens in my deep in my belly um exactly. and uh, and yes we we were we were able to share that um in, Clon, in Clonmel and with Clonmel and there's nothing nicer than seeing a, you know, a big cohort of your neighbours and friends and people you meet in your daily life, um, dancing, uh, and smiling. Exactly. Um, so, exactly. um, that was, that was certainly, um, my, my visits to Africa, um, were great. And I was delighted that I was able to bring all of the musicians home. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jammed restaurants, packed beaches and queues for queues. No thanks. Isn't the point of a getaway, do you know? Get away. So, here's the inside tip. With the Golden Vale, incredible hiking, two blueways and gorgeous lakeside villages, Tipperary has it all. Visit the Mitchellstown Caves, walk the Knockmealdowns, Downs or explore the Butler Trail. Take it easy while uncovering ancient castles and hidden secrets. Tipperary is unspoilt and waiting for you. Visit Tipperary.com, supported by the Tipperary LCDC under the Leader Programme. That probably leads us into a rant.
1: Well, I mean, um, I suppose that was the most remarkable of all of the the visits I made over the years. Um, I think it was about November I got an email. And it was, a, it seemed like a poorly written email or like it didn't seem on an, an official email. You know, I, I think you get a sense when an email comes, but it was basically asking me, did I want to come to the Fajr Festival in Tehran in February? And I'm going, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of sent a speculative email back sort of saying, yes, I'd be delighted. And then they sent back like an email and they said, well, um, if you... Uh, um, Uh, we can provide you with accommodation. And um, so uh, you just need to get a visa and we'll pick you up at the airport. And I was rather cheeky and wrote back to say that um, my travel budget was uh, somewhat diminished and I'm not sure that I'd be able to uh, cover the flights. And um, they wrote back to say that they'd send me the ticket as well. So Um. I said, well, there was there was a very nice offer, and the opportunity to go to Iran was 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 quite extraordinary. Um, so I arrived, I think, at two in the morning, um, or the flights, and I couldn't get any money in advance. You know, when you're traveling, you always want to get some money, but you couldn't get um, uh, Iranian currency outside of Iran. So I was arriving in. I didn't speak Persian. I didn't know where I was going to stay. I was I was just sent. Told I would be met at the airport. It was very kind of I was very vague. And I I was very, very nervous when I arrived in Tehran and I was going through the airport. And the airport was appeared chaotic. I'm sure there was a different kind of sense of order in there, mm. but it, it appeared quite chaotic. And I realized that I was in a very strange place because I was in this foreign airport and I had really no idea where I was going. Um uh and then thankfully, when I got to the other side of it, there was a, a sign man with a sign saying, Mr. Tevan. It's like Phew. the other thing I noticed when I arrived in Tehran is is my my breathing. The breathing. Tehran is in a bowl and it's at very high, I think it's at a thousand feet, and it's in a bowl surrounded by mountains. So it's on a plateau in this, in among the mountains, and the air is very thin. And I could feel it in my lungs. Um, uh, as soon as I arrived, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's very strange. But we went out, I went out with this man and it, he was driving a Fiesta and it wouldn't have been a, um, you know, a, a, an up to date Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in and he was booting down the road in this tiny little car and the road was really, really wide. And, um, so it was a very, so I got to the hotel, went in and I, 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 um, Again, just the aesthetic, the decor was was something I was I was unfamiliar. So I was I was so I woke up the next morning and I went downstairs, not really not knowing, like not knowing where the venue was. All I knew was it was the Fajr Festival, and I'm in the foyer. It was kind of eight thirty in the morning, and I'm wondering what's going on. And eventually, I saw somebody who I thought kind of looked arty, uh, and thought maybe he's here for the same <laughs> thing. And I went over to him. And he was a South African festival director, uh, so um, we just started chatting. And eventually, this big bear of a man um, uh, came out, and he was somebody I had met briefly. I had met him for about five minutes at a, at an event in Canada the previous year, and we'd exchanged cards. And that's when I realized that's how I had got the invite. It's so lovely to see you, David. <laughs> and um uh and it was it was quite the most extraordinary trip so in the beginning we were set up into there was about 30 of us there and we were put into three groups there were the british contingent who had their own tour guide and uh security and they had extra security and then there was the europeans and then there was the english speakers so i was put with the canadians and um I know one Dutch and one German who decided we were going to be more fun. So they came with our group and a couple of South Americans. And um, the first day I went out with two of the Canadians for a walk and there was nothing happening the first day. And this was this was the day of the Fajr. This was the parade. Um, Every year they have a parade to commemorate the Ayatollah Khomeini's return after the fall of the Shah. And they had all the roads were full of these people making a procession into the center where the current um, uh, prime minister was going to speak, and uh, uh, they were shouting and with their their chanting. (laughs) And one of the Canadians was was Persian by birth, spoke Persian, so we we um, we asked him Michael, and I said, "Well, what are they saying?" And he said um uh debt to the Israelis, debt to the Americans, debt to the British. That was what the chant was. And and I'm going, I'm Irish, and and the Canadians going, I'm Canadian. <laughs> um, and uh so we had this. And then the next day, um uh I mean it was quite it was quite it was quite a powerful experience that whole experience. I mean I jest but just the experience of that um Uh, being in such an alien and such a different uh, kind of environment. And there was a level of aggression around or in that, in that, in that chanting. Um, And it was, it was, that was focused on, okay, so Britain and and America and Israel, but, you know, basically the West, again, this thing of, of being a Westerner and, um, but anyway, the next day when they came with the lanyards, um, and when you go to festivals, you get a lanyard with the, so which gives you your access to areas, and and uh, they came along with our lanyards, and all of the lanyards said your name and your nationality, and mine said David Tevin, Great Britain. Now to put in context, during the hunger strikes, when. Uh, um, Uh, Bobby Sands was on his hunger strike Um, the the Iranians changed the name of the street that the British um, embassy is on to Bobby Sands Avenue so that the address Mm -hmm. of the British embassy in Iran was the British embassy Bobby Sands Avenue now the the, the British closed, the, closed up that gate and opened a gate on a different street to change the name of it. So, so there was this this was playing in my mind. But what also the the, the chant from the day before. Of of and I mean the British group, as I said, they had extra security. I mean there was a certain vulnerability. And I'm like, no, 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 we fought for our independence for eight hundred years, you know. I want to be David Teeb in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so for a day I hadn't got a lanyard until they thankfully they did. And I'm very it's 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 a it's I still have it hanging here in my office. It was like um that was uh, uh, an identity that was when being irish meant an awful lot to me um um but the trip was amazing i mean you know persia is this extraordinary rich culture that goes back 5000 years and you know it was at the center of the silk road and um and and the 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 um and the persian people are an incredibly um uh I mean, I suppose they've had a very sophisticated culture for a long time, and yet the world in which they're living now is a world that, um, well, I mean, the colour that comes to mind is grey. It was it was dark. And when we were there, we went each day to this um, uh, college where we would have different encounters, and um, uh, there were some sharings of theatre, and we had talks, and then in the evening, afternoon, in the evening, we would go out into the town and we would go to different plays. And, and the work I saw was extraordinary. In fact, I did bring... A show to Clonmel, um, uh, because I just it had been such an extraordinary experience for me. But one, I think, on the third day we were there. We used to go out for lunch, and when we came down from the, at college for at lunchtime, we there were guards, armed guards, at the gate, and we weren't allowed out. So we were basically for about four hours. We were under house arrest. Was now they said it was for our protection because basically that was the year of the Arab Spring. Um, when when you know there had been the revolt in uh Tun- tunisia and in egypt and and that afternoon there had been a student rising in the town square in tehran and it had been crushed immediately um and when we came out eventually after 4 hours when we were let out um uh there were uh security details on every street corner um of 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 you know so i've never seen it before they had like this this armor like you know plastic armor and they had motor you know uh, trial motorbikes and they were fully armed every street corner so it was it was pretty shocking um and and so the contrast between this world that we experienced and the the um you know the 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 rich extraordinary rich culture that that was uh, there. And when we went to the plays, you know, we were let in. We were the dignitaries who were sitting down and then they let in the... The
0: The locals? The
1: locals. And they would... They came in in their throngs and there was the, the health and safety hadn't arrived because when all the seats were full, they sat on the, on, on, on the aisle and then they sat in fr- on the edge of the stage. And at one show, I saw them and they were sitting along on the side of the stage. And it just added an extraordinary atmosphere to the events. Um, and as I say, when I came back, I just felt I really, really wanted to share some of that um with the community in Clomel because that's what my trips were about it was about going and discovering the world and seeing what uh, I could share and there was this one play which I had seen which was was this three women young women and they um they performed uh um it was a piece of. It was a sort of again visual. It wasn't dependent on text, but there, so there was one the various different scenes that they went through, and I didn't quite understand it, but I, I I felt that it it evoked the feelings I had when I was there. So we brought that over, and they did two shows in Clonmel. So I felt I had fulfilled my um, responsibility to the Iranian government who had trusted me and who paid for my flight, um, and uh, we were able to give them. Uh, to share some of that culture, because I mean, the differences that separate us are, are I think, um, as human beings, are very small, um, and that um, that's the wonderful thing about um, the opportunity of travelling is that is realising that. I mean, the political differences are huge, and um, but those those human differences and having the opportunity in these travels to meet with um, people from around the world is something that I cherish. Now that I, you know, well, the last year none of us have been travelling. But my my work now doesn't take me out of Ireland. I, I do travel in Ireland, but um, not not so much internationally now.
0: And anyone I talk to who talks about Iran says the people are, the people there are amazing, very warm, very friendly. Did you find absolutely.
1: That? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it was it was it was extraordinary. I mean, the one thing I would say is that te- they, they tend to have two faces because they have the face. That they present in public and then they have the face you know at home, so it's not until you go behind closed doors that uh that they reveal themselves um because it's dangerous it's dangerous to reveal yourself in public um and I you know we 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 have to be very grateful for you know the democracy i mean uh that we we live in um and to have the freedom to express yourself um uh and the opportunity to debate ideas um, is, exactly. is 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 a real privilege,
0: and that just brings me on to Canada because um, speaking of privilege, you've been you said you've been there many times, but the one that you picked sounds amazing. So well,
1: actually, it, it was even after I had left Junction Festival. Um, I had been going over to Canada quite often. I have some very good friends over there. I'd been to Ottawa and uh, um, Montreal. I love Montreal because I could mm, use my limited French, and they really appreciated that. And there's some extraordinary um, performing arts in in, in Montreal. Um, And uh, I had many visits to Ottawa, or to, no, to um, Vancouver, uh, there's a lovely festival called Push there in the beginning of the year, and uh, so I used to go there on an annual basis t- towards the end. But there was another festival that, like, a bit like WOMEX, used to move around to different places each year, um, and uh, the final the, the year after I left it was in um, White Horse, which is in the Yukon, so that's above the Arctic Circle. It's way, way, way up there. It's very far north. And um, uh, I couldn't pass up on that. And when, when the director invited me, I said, but I'm not working in the job. And she said, David, we want you to come. And I said, well, OK, OK. <laughs> so we flew out there. I flew out there. And I think there were a couple of colleagues who from Ireland who were there as well. <clears throat> and it really was, uh, it was so beautiful. Now, there was, t- it's 23 hours of daylight at that time of year it's at this time of year so it's it's, um uh at this time of year the festival and um uh so i I think that that it's it's such a strange to consider what it would be like in the winter when you've got two or three hours four hours where it's vaguely daylight it never really gets bright Mm. in the wintertime but they said that because of that you've got all this activity in the winter where people you know are 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 contained within their homes and they're very very creative and then they come out in the summertime when the weather is good and all this creativity just bursts out so we saw we did one event which we arrived i think along at 10 o'clock or 11 at night this was because they wanted it to be somewhat dark and it was we, we walked through this wood and as we walked through the wood we encountered various different um uh art events um so there was, you know, uh, uh, I remember a, a, a violinist who played a, a short cont- um, a piece in that they had composed, and they had. Um, uh, there was another place where they had they were cooking little tastes of food, so you stopped and you had that, and there was a storyteller, and there was a piece of theater, and then at the end you came back and there was a fire, and there was nighttime at that stage. So again, you know this wasn't something I was going to bring to Ireland, but it's an idea that sticks with me and, and that someday I might, I might, might get to to realize. Um, but I think on our last night we were there. Um, I also did this wonderful show, um, which was a, an audio show. So I went and I was given a mobile phone, a Canadian mobile phone and a headset. And um, as uh, the the, the 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 piece of work or um, the experience was about listening to the audio instructions that at, and and as you walked through this town of Whitehorse, but at the same time I was doing this. Somebody in Toronto was also doing a similar walking, uh, was doing the show with me. So while the show was going on. I was having an experience and looking at this environment around me in Whitehorse, and they were having an experience in Toronto. And there were moments where we exchanged—we were, you know, where the line opened and we talked to each other, and then we went into our world. And um, I just thought that was a lovely idea because, well, so we were sharing our experience. So it was having a solo experience, but sharing it with somebody along the way and somebody you never met. Um, um so at the end of it, I sat down and had a lovely long chat with this person, um, causing great consternation because they were waiting on the phone for the next customer. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then on the last night we were there, um, uh, I remember going to a show in a, in a bar, which um, also had food involved in it. So you were served food during the show. And we came out at midnight and it was daylight. And this was just quite <laughs> disconcerting in a certain way, but quite quite lovely. And we went for a walk along by the Yukon River and we sat down by the river and uh, I think we had brought a beer with us and we had a beer at, at sort of half past midnight and then there was a, a gig starting. So we went into the gig just as the sun was setting and wow. we came out an hour later after dancing for an hour and uh, uh, the sun was the sun was um, rising (laughs) Mm. so there was yeah there was quite a uh, quite a um, in terms of your 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 expectations this 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 was quite one of us so yeah
0: so your happy place then I have Mm. to ask you this um if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths, where would your happy place be, and why?
1: Well, I know, I know this is this is a travel blog um, or a podcast, um, uh, but it doesn't it, it it it's it's um and having spoken about these wonderful adventures I've had around the world uh, and the you know the privilege to be able to travel, my happy place is is about um uh. 30 meters from where I'm sitting in my, my, my back garden. My, when I was about, s- my granddad was a great gardener and he gave me the love of gardening when I was very young. I was gardening with him when I was six, seven. Um, and he grew tomatoes that just, oh, I've never tasted a tomato as sweet as the ones he grew. And I've been, I've been, a have been gardening ever since. And in fact, when I lived in New York, um, uh, I used to grow tomatoes on my fire escape Um, because I, I need to garden. Um, and when we settled in Tipperary in 19, uh, uh, we came to Tipperary in 1988 and we moved to this house in 1990. And, and one of the first things I did, uh, was establish a vegetable garden. And, and there's a spot where I, I sit, um, reading or contemplating life. Um, uh, but, but that's, that's, it's a place I need. But it's it's a place where i i um, i get my my strength and tr- from tranquility uh it's also a place that feeds us which i always think is very nice i'm, I'm i mean there are flowers that creep in my my partner Teresa has um, uh has sort of unconventional gardening style and flowers in among vegetables which is not something my granddad would have done um but uh but but i i've kind of i've adopted i think i think she's right mm-hmm. and the lovely thing is actually that i actually i have my my granddad's hoe and his spade so when i'm out gardening there um uh i use his i use his tools it's a lovely connection to 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 my my heritage um and i'm hoping that um uh i can pass it on to uh maybe a, a, a grandchild somewhere down the line who might be interested. Um, but yeah, def, definitely, um, That's uh, I'm lucky it's very close. I don't have to travel very far and I can visit it every day.
0: Listening to David Thielen there has really got me looking forward to the Clamwell Junction Festival again this year. And again, all the details, all the programmes are on junctionfestival.com. And also I have done a podcast for the Clomel Junction Festival and it is on all available platforms. Just look up Clomel Junction Arts Festival. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcasts so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Virgo. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Virgo.